So the message I wanted to bring to you this morning, I've titled it Prospering in the New Season. Prospering in the New Season. You're going to need revelation to prosper in the new season. I, I remember being in churches years ago and the pastor would get a revelation or God would speak to them, tell them some part of the, the new vision or I never heard the terms you're in a new room. I never heard that till I got with pastor, Pastor Nancy. And I saw it in scripture. But they would say things like, from now on, it's going to be easier. Or there's, a, you know, there's an open path for us. God spoke to me and said he's enlarging us. I heard those kinds of words. And you know, you got to have it in your heart to come on the vision or with the vision with us. And I'll be honest with you. At that time, I don't know that I was much help because I didn't fully understand how to be a part of that vision. I think at that time, I probably had more the paradigm of, you know, you've got the vision and I'm here to be faithful to God. You understand? But as time went by and God began to show us how to participate, you know, even those exercises of taking home those cardboard cutouts with, you know, it's a new year and what to speak over your year, I began to understand my part in participating with that new call because your participation actually is enlarging you. Because as you participate, God will begin to put that vision in your spirit. And you need God to do that. Yes. You do, because you can be um, somewhat interested, and you can be happy that you've got a church to go to, but unless God bears witness and shows you how to truly be a part of that spiritually, you're kind of a little bit on the outside. But that's not what God wants for you. When your pastor says things like, we're entering a new room, oh boy, that, that means something to me now. But I can tell you there was many years when that really didn't mean much to me. I was glad for him or her. But uh, I thought it was a good thing, couldn't be bad. But that's where it stopped with me. Because I did not have a revelation of how to engage and how this affected me. And how the anointing that when God increased my pastor, whether it was revelation, whether it was materially, whatever it was, that anointing was there for the church. That anointing was there. And I did not understand that. So when a pastor would say things like, uh, you know, we're all in this together and, you know, this is our vision, I thought I was not rebelling. I didn't have any ill in my heart. But I thought, what's your vision? And I'm here. I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. I pay my tithes. And I'm, uh, you know, I was never against. But I can't tell you that I engaged with my spirit because I didn't understand that the blessing placed on that church came home with me. It came home maybe because my faith was better and then I could go home and pound away at the things that I needed changed in my life. So I, I reverenced the faith message and I've always reverenced tithing. My parents taught me that. But in terms of understanding, whoa, when somebody says, when your pastor or minister says, there's a new door open onto you, there's new equipment in that room, there's anointings to come on you and increase you, I didn't, I didn't engage. I never said no. I was just outside of it. I just, I didn't have a revelation of it. I would have sat there and thought, oh yeah, but I didn't know how to grab it and make it mine. Because every word in the pulpit when it comes to vision and going forward, God is sounding out a call for the prospering of this work, not just money-wise. There's all kinds of elements in prospering. There's influence. There's favor. 
There's acquiring of assets. There's open doors you could never open for yourself. But when that happens for the church, you are the church. So POLC is only one part of the church. And so you have to know that when there's anointings that are being talked about, grab a hold of them. Pastor Nancy said that when the Lord gave her uh, Amy's castle, he talked to her, but he let her know that anointing that came on her to increase was open for the people in her congregation if they would go with her. But it's going to take faith. And can I tell you, faith's not hard. Faith's agreement. It's not hard to open your eyes in the morning, put your feet on the floor and go, calling in my new house, Lord. Calling in my new house. It takes some time to call and agree with the enlarging. And there's an enlarging in the spirit. But when there's an enlarging in the spirit, like my husband will say, that room contains things. But you don't want to go into a house and stay just inside the door. It's like when you get saved, you don't want to open up the door and just stand inside. God wants you to go and explore those different rooms of salvation. You're in the house, but you shouldn't be at the door. You should be exploring all the nooks and crannies of what is in that house. Because he said now, that's your house. And that belongs to you. And so, I wanted to talk to you this morning because whenever God gives a word, whenever he decrees something... In the church, his word brings the supply with it. I don't know. I didn't know that when I was younger. God might say to you that you are supposed to prosper in Abraham's blessings on you. But as you move in faith with him, all the provision that you need for your life is available to you. But he wants to lead you into it by his spirit one step at a time. And so... We have a vision set before us, and it's not going to be hard. It's not going to be hard, but it just takes saying and agreeing, because God, everything I've seen the church increase into, it has not been hard. It has not been hard. The devil would love to take that verse, you know, take up your cross and follow me, and just pound all the life and the light out of that. Until you're left mealy-mouthed and, oh, it's my lot in life and I'm half bowed over. Life's so hard. And how can I speak this faith business when life's so hard? And, and he would love to take away from you the fact that following the way of the cross is light. There's dedication required. But when you have faith, it makes it light. It makes it easy. And the Bible says it's the way of the transgressor that's hard. It didn't say the way of just the sinner. If we transgress God's laws and we don't listen to him, we don't do what he says, our way is hard. I know. I know our way is hard. I had no clue when I was younger how in the world I would ever increase. And so I tried so many different things and nothing worked. Nothing worked. I didn't understand that I just needed to do the one thing that he's told me to do in this season. I needed to tithe. I needed to give. I needed to be faithful to my church. And I need to listen for his voice. And if he told me one thing, to do it with all of my heart. That's all you have to do. That's all he told Abraham. Get up, leave that land and follow me. And Abraham did it. And look what followed. But Abraham didn't know all that was going to follow. He knew blessings were coming, but he didn't know the specifics. God's told you just like he told Abraham, I've blessed you. I've made you something. You might not be able to see all what it is today, but I've done it. 
And so you have to follow me by faith. And that's what he said to Abraham. We look at Abraham, we think, oh man, look what he did for Abraham. But he wants to do the same in us. It's no different. He calls, we listen. When he tells us to do something, we do it. Amen? Every assignment of God comes with provision for that plan. When I, I'm going to give the glory to God about the house because I think it needs telling. My husband's been telling, but pastor gets up and she talks about the castle that God gave her. And I just want to give the glory to God because like my husband said, there's miracles that had to happen to get us into it. And when I talk about God prospering us, well, one of the things that he had to do was almost drop our home by almost 200,000 to get us into it. I couldn't do that. In the natural, you look at something you think, I can't, or I don't qualify. But if God says and bears witness with you that you can, you can. So I can take no credit other than I just really believe what he says is true. And when doubt comes knocking, I'm like you. I have to answer it. I just answer it. It doesn't feel good, but I answer it, right? And so he did something to get us into more. And he's going to do things for the church to get us into more. And he's going to do things for you individually to get you into more. But you're going to have to say, and you're going to have to believe that if he says that all the provision that you need is there, all of it. The vision God is giving, Promise of Life Church for 2020, requires our unity. And with God's grace comes all the supply that we need. With the word that God gives is the provision. I can tell you right now, my husband and I don't even think about the finances for the church. It never crosses my mind. Now, it might cross his in the sense that he's seeing it more than I am, but we never discuss it at home. We've never had a worried moment. We've never had the conversation of what are we going to do if it doesn't come? Because it's come and come and come and come and we know what to do. We know our part because the Word has taught us what to do. And I'm telling you, it is light and easy. And for all those people that are getting their brains beat out, trying to carry the finances of something, I cannot imagine something more horrible. But covenant's light and easy. And the covenant for your personal life should be light and easy when it comes to your finances. And we're all growing and we've got further to go. But I'm not lying to you. I came from nothing. I'm not nothing because I'm in Him. I don't see myself as a nothing. I've always seen big things on the inside of me, but you understand God has to get you there. Right? God has to get you there. So with the Word is the provision. So you should get excited when He says something to you. If it's truly Him and He says something to you like, I want you getting that, I want you to move into that, I want you to start this. If it's His Spirit, you can, you can take it to the bank that all the provision that you need is there already. You just have to cooperate with it. And I'm here to tell you it's not hard. The unrenewed mind is hard at first because it will buck against that instruction. It will buck, but you can tame that thing. It's yours to tame, amen? You just speak to it. You just keep speaking God's word. It may not come overnight, but as you stay with the plan, you stay with the provision and it will manifest. 
People struggle because they work their own plan trying to bring God's plan to it. And that is every single one of us in this room until we learn not to do that. Because our ambition, which is healthy, I I want ambition, don't you? In terms of wanting to succeed, wanting to do things well. I don't mean acting like a shark and destroying those around you. I just mean you, wanna, you want your life to count for something. You want to build something that people look at and admire, that you can look at and admire and think, oh, it was worth it. It was so worth it to put my hand to that. We want that, right? But there's a lot of wasted time sometimes because we're building things and we don't know that God told us to do it. But if God tells us to do it, it's going to work. It's going to work. I've seen the seasons in my life that were terribly hard and there was no grace. And I've seen the ones that were absolutely effortless. And the ones that were effortless was when God spoke and then we knew what to do. And the ones that were so hard, they, they were in my head of good things to do. Things that looked right. Wanting to make money for the kingdom. Those things, those aspirations are all good. But it's like the minister that is constantly on the run, tiring himself out because everybody needs to be saved. What I mean by that is, you may not be that person for them because you can't do everybody's job. And you're not called to do everything. And you're not called to put your hand to everything in this life. God has a specific plan for you. And it may take some turns and it may change the way that it looks, but he's, he's got a starting place. Or if you've already started, he's got a place to take you from this point to that point. And he's got a way to increase you. When God gives a, a vision with instructions to your pastor, you don't have to fully understand it before you agree with it. There's things you're not going to agree. Remember what I said? I would shake my head and I was never against. I was for. I didn't fully understand it. I didn't feel the unity of it. I didn't feel my part in it other than I gave my tithes. And so he wants us to agree when a word comes from the pastor. Because if something is preached under the anointing, God will catch you up. He will catch you up. You can trust him to catch you up. Because it's going to be taught and it's going to be preached. And after a while, the light will come on if initially you don't understand it. I've been under Pastor Nancy so many times. And she said something and my mouth just dropped open. And I think, that's awesome. I don't know what she means. (laughs) I know it's right, but I'm just not there yet. She puts a stretch on me. You ever feel that in a service? You feel there's so much more and you're happy with it. But there's a stretch there because you haven't walked there yet. Christians miss it by saying, well, God said it to my pastor, but not to me. But he said it to you through your pastor. So let me talk about that for a minute. When you're submitting to a pastor, I've written down some points. You don't park your brain at the door. Okay? That's not what we're talking about when we say submitting to a pastor. Some of the points that rose up in my heart was, did God put you with that pastor? If you don't know that by the inner witness, you may be missing it. If you just come into church and you just picked a church or you're here because you're five minutes away and this just works, well, uh, the doctrine here is good. It's right. But you need God to bear witness with you about your pastor. You do because there's going to be so much that's going to be downloaded through his or her spirit to you that you need a sense of God told me to be here. 
You do. Because the seasons of life, they change. Some of them are wonderful and some of them are not. And so you're going to need to know, this is where I belong. And if you can know that, you're in a good place. You are in a good place. Because you're going to be able to trust that what they say is good and it's right. And I love the next point. It is, let me see, I give my pastor access. She doesn't take it. Never, ever takes it. Your pastor is not here to tell you what to do. There was a movement years ago called the shepherding movement. They had to ask their pastor what kind of color car they could buy and if they could do things and who they could marry. I mean, that's such a spirit of control. That's vile. That is such a misappropriation and a misinterpretation of the office. That is not what submission is. That's control, and you should run as fast and as far from that as you can. What I say is when I give my pastor access, first of all, it's because I go back back to point number one. God put me with her. I remember it was January the 30th, 2010. I remember the day. First day down in California, we knew doctor was our man of God. We thought that was all we needed. I'd never heard of having both. Or, and God, God spoke to both of us separately in the service and said, she's your pastor, you need a pastor. We went out to the car, looked at each other, talked about it. But we were getting an education. We didn't know. That's only nine years ago, guys. We didn't know we needed a pastor. We knew we needed someone. But we didn't know that we would get a man of God and his wife would be our pastor. But we were thrilled. But it was, it was new. It was new for us. And so when I give her access, it's because God put me with her and because I trust her. I trust her spiritually. Now she, she'll sit in the back room and if she tells us an edict that's in the word, we'll listen to that. We will do everything that she says. But you know, personalities are different. She might be telling us something about, well, this is what I did when I raised my son, or this or something like that. And those are the things. There's wiggle room in those things. Unless someone is saying, thus saith the Lord, you know, then there's, there's some interpretation involved. But because I trust her, I want to know what she has to say. Because I see success in her life more than mine, I listen to her because I can feel the weight of her spiritually. If she was, a, God, God will not put you with a tyrant. God will not put you with someone that's going to boss you around and tell you what to do and rain fire down on you and frighten you. But God will sometimes put direct words in a pastor's mouth for you. Pastor's direct. She's as loving as can be. See, people found Dr. Gruff. I never found him gruff ever. I just didn't. He's like a father, and he'd just, he'd tell you, you should be there. If there's meetings, you should be there. And we looked at each other and said, Dad says we should be there. Let's go. What were we going to lose? What if we'd said, God didn't tell me to go. He didn't, shouldn't tell me that. I, I'll go if I feel like going. He wasn't ordering us to go. He was saying it would be good for you if you went. So you have to give your pastor access to you through trust and the leading of the Spirit. Because when you come in and there's a pastor, they, they don't get everything right, but they should get the major things right. Doctrine should be right. 
There's wiggle room in terms of the interpretation of the smaller things, but those things don't hurt us. Those things, when I'm listening to her talk to me about certain issues, I can even feel in my spirit, you know, there's room there for us to hear what she's saying, tweak this on our side, but when, and, and it works. But there's times when she's got our, her finger by the anointing in our faces. We don't wrestle with those things. That's God speaking to us. We don't touch those things. But it's not because we have to do whatever she says and we don't have a brain and we can't think. Because that's the stuff that makes people almost like a cult. I've been around people that are getting most of it right, but it's like they worship their pastor. And I've seen great and tremendous honor. The people that were around doctor, they, they revered him. He, he, they just walked softly. They wanted to hear everything he said, but there was not an ounce of control. There was not an ounce of anything icky that made you feel pushed under, pushed down, slapped around. Do you understand? And yet he corrected us all the time because he could see the babyhood on us. And I know pastor looks at us and she see the babyhood on us now, right? But we trust her. We trust her. She told us how she would deal with the situation. We asked her. We went away and we prayed, not because we didn't agree with her. We agreed with the way she did it. But God was pulling us to handle something else a little different. And so we did because we're led by the Spirit. And she would tell you in a five-minute conversation, she doesn't know all the details. Was she wrong? No. She was right. But there was a principle, and there was, there's principle, and then there's things. It's like when you have children. Is it right for you to discipline them? Yes. But do you take the belt out and wallop them constantly? No. 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 But there's a verse that says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Obviously, we have to be led by the Spirit. In much of what, in, in everything that we do, if we can be led, that's the way to be. We have to listen, and we're always learning. My gosh, I'm amazed at the things I don't know at 45. But we're after it. We're after the learning. We don't want fallout. We're after it. We want to know because it helps us. Amen? Amen. If you trust your pastor, it won't derail you if they do something less than perfect. You know in the things that matter most, you're getting what you need. For instance, we may feel God is telling us to start something. But maybe we're wrong, right? That happens. We don't like it to happen, but I'll guarantee you this. You've got a leader that doesn't mind saying he's wrong and apologizing for it, right? We don't want those misses. Those misses shouldn't happen because we're led by the Spirit. But if you get into a situation and you're making quick decisions, you haven't taken the time to pray it through the way you should, you can make, you can make a mistake. But if you trust your pastor, that, that you understand I'm talking, I'm showing you the umbrella the umbrella, if there's legalism involved and your pastor can't say or do anything outside of what you think they should do, you're not going to have that pastor very long because the devil's going to separate you. He's going to separate you. It's your job to protect that relationship when the devil attacks it and he attacks every good thing. You should be standing on guard. You should be aware. Life on earth is not perfect. Stay on course in the bigger things. Amen? Amen. So I, I explain that because sometimes I know we, we, we preach things strong. 
So we'll talk to you about from that office and how you need to listen to that office because it'll, it'll benefit you. But sometimes it's good to just explain what we mean. We don't want to pick your car for you. You know, we don't want to pick your wife for you. And if God's not speaking, we don't know. We don't have a clue. We might have an opinion, but unless he's speaking, we don't know. We really don't. God wants you to know. And every now and then he'll give us a rescue and he'll drop something in us that can confirm with you. And it's funny, there's seasons where he'll do so much of that, you can almost rely on it in us. Like he'll do that in us. And then I'll notice there'll be a season where he's not really speaking along those lines. He's more speaking about getting the word into people, getting them to get it for themselves. Because we want you strong and unafraid. And when you go into something, remembering that verse that says, yeah, it's a weapon form, but it can't prosper against me. And that's the position we want you in spiritually, not mentally, spiritually, where you are ready for the fight and you're not going to be moved. And that is such a great position instead of feeling terrified and having to have your pastor pick you up off the floor. And I, I don't mean that in condemnation. I'm saying all of us can be that way. But we have to decide. We have to decide that we're going to be strong in Him and at peace. When the storms of life are raging sometimes, we stay in Him. And that's what the fruit are for. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit. They have been downplayed because of the gifts, and the gifts are wonderful. But it's the fruit in your character that will keep you solid as a rock, unmoved. They are beautiful. The fruit of the Spirit are magnificent. That's what the believer looks like on the inside, no matter what. In this, sorry, Lord, I don't mean it to be insulting, but this dump of a world, because it is since the fall, we all know that, that we can walk through just filled with light, filled with love, filled with peace, and not be moved, and, and know that if something comes against us, we have the answer. We just got to open up our mouth, and that answer is going to come roaring out. It might take a little bit of time, but we know we're not going under. We know we can't be defeated. We can't be. Not if the Word's in us. If we meditate day and night, we'll have good success. That's what the Word says. Well, it doesn't look like it. So? You might not look healed today, but the Word says that He provided it for you. And if you'll agree with that, it'll manifest. It'll, you'll pull it into this realm by believing. What God authors is good and it's worth it. But it includes pruning and correction. Why? Because, and you've heard this, but please don't shut your ears. Listen to this. When God loves someone, He chastens them. We hear that. Oh, He chastens whom He loves. He does. The chastening never, how, how many people do you know that when they're getting a spanking, they're smiling? Not very many. Except maybe the strong-willed. But there is, there is a strap that can take the smile off. But that, anyway. None of us like it. We hate it. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Right? I hate that feeling. Like it's, uh, you, can be care you have to be careful you don't step into shame. But that's not our place either. We just take the correction and correct ourselves. You know, and he'll do that through your pastor. He'll do it through more than just your pastor. You read the word and the Holy Spirit will tweak something on the inside of you. And my husband said it, so I don't mind saying it again. But we were down there in a meeting and pastor's talking, you know, how the Holy Ghost is flowing. He's going to correct us. And then she comes, she stands right in front of him like this. We're all standing. We're just so enthralled because the anointing's so strong. She stands right in front of him. And she says, you know that goop that gets down into the bottom of a candle? <laughs> when, it's, 
when it's burned and burned and burned and it's just, you know, the waxy, fill, like the filling is on the bottom. It's just a mess. And she said, we need the Holy Spirit to just wipe that mess out of there because we got to make corrections. And then she stops and she looks at Craig. <laughs> and then, so we're all praising the Lord. You know, why isn't she moving on kind of thing? And, and then she does this with her head. <laughs> and so, and everybody laughed. My husband laughed, but we knew. We knew we got to make corrections. We, I want to be pruned. Don't you? I don't want yesterday. I want tomorrow. I, God only tells us what, he, what we can do. He, make, he doesn't climb, make you climb the mountain when you need the, the rabbit hill first. But we got to listen. We got to listen. With that hooking up, to your local church and your pastor comes long-term, long-term provision and success. Not just in the church, but at home. And that's why you gotta have roots. That's why it grieves the Lord so much to see people jumping from church to church, right? That's not him. That's not the way he does things. When marathon runners run, every step counts, right? Every step, but not every step is celebrated never get anywhere. <laughs> you know, there are ascending milestones and they're the ones that, that are celebrated. They're the ones that count. But every step that's not celebrated, that's boring, that's tiring, it's not, it can't be celebrated. And life is like that. There's lulls in between. There's periods where you think, oh my gosh, if the scenery doesn't change soon, can we please move along? You know, and I, I've been in a season like that. I'm very grateful. But God, you know, he's a big thinker. So he talks, he whispers stuff in your ears, and you're home doing the laundry. You understand? And so I'm like you. I don't want to delay that movement into the new. So we have to practice gratitude and to keep our faith, our shield faith, shield of faith up. Amen. Right? Amen. And then the milestone will come, and we'll celebrate it. Yes. It'll come. But we'll, and we'll celebrate it then. The provision is for a flow, not just consumption. You know, sometimes people in church can get on your nerves. Because they're always busy. <laughs> they're always busy justifying. I get on, my, someone in my life tells me I get on his nerves. <clears throat> A.K.A. Joey. So, you know, we always... <laughs> We always justify as Christians, oh, you know, when I get this, but I'm going to give to the kingdom. And it's kind of like, do you have to say that every time? <laughs> it's okay to want money. It's okay to want things. It's okay to think big. You know, rich people don't qualify themselves every time they want something. And we're rich. We're rich. God's made us rich. There's some steps for it to manifest and keep coming. But we know if you're hooked up to God, there's a giver in you. There's a giver in you, and he's working on your giver. He's working on your giver. And the giver in you wants, wants to let a flow go through you. But, you know, you're welcome to just prosper and just brag on God because you should. But the giver in you wants to give. The giver in you has got so much to attend to. There's so many things you just want to increase the kingdom in. Amen? That's the spirit of God. So I won't belabor that point. We're rich. We need to give. You know that. Amen? The plan of God, the next phase for this place will require faith. God's giving a plan for us to partake of it with faith. Who knew that Ministry of Helps provides a flow for your monetary success, for unity in your home? See, people don't connect the dots. I didn't, so I understand it. 
But everything you do here is supposed to be a blessing that affects you at home. God told me, he said, because your obedience is tied to serving me and, and, and tied to the local church, he said, when, that, when your local church increases, you increase. You'll be able to see it. You'll be able to see it. You know, when we did uh, the Mississauga Miracle, that's why I love that name. That was coined, I think, by Pastor Lekedic. I think it was him. It was, what a great way to say it. It went off in my spirit when he said it. Oh, that's great. And I love those little catchphrases because you can just say them so easy over and over again. And so we did that and a year or something passed. I don't know how much time has passed. And I heard some people talk about instant harvests. I mean, some fantastic things. I know there's a couple here that received, I think, $160,000 off of a debt that they had in business. I mean, it's just, just good stuff. Makes you jump and shout. We didn't see anything other than the normal goodness of what God was doing. He's always doing something good. But we didn't see a breakout. We didn't see anything that looked like we had sold extra seed other than our normal tithe and offering. So, so I said to the Lord, I remember I got up here once and I did the offering. And I said, um, God impressed me to tell the congregation, be a good farmer. Don't you quit on that seed. Everything's not instant. That time for that seed might not be right now, but don't you quit. And so one day as I was praying, I said, God, I'm always impressed with what you do, but I can't honestly tell you I've seen something from that seed where I can go, oh, oh that's it. That's it right there. See that? I, I have not seen that. And he said, well, just keep saying it. But he dropped a, a phrase in my heart, miracle seed, miracle house. So I would walk around a miracle seed, miracle house. Well, as you know, I just I started off the sermon with saying he dropped it by 200,000 or more. But, I, you know, I don't have the paper in front of me. And I'm very exact. That way. I don't want to exaggerate. I don't like that. If I say something and I brag on God, it should be accurate. Because he's, he's worthy of all the bragging anyway. But what I'm saying is when I saw it, I, I knew there was things that had gone into action that I couldn't have done. But there's my seed. There's my harvest. And actually, I was standing here, I think it was the, um, when Pastor Nancy, we had a, a meeting with her, and the anointing, and it was, it was so strong, and I felt something fall on me. And I said, God, that's something extra. What is that? I haven't felt that before. And he, said, he gave me a picture, and it was strong. I saw this wave cresting. And he said, you thought, he said that this house, he said, was the pinnacle of this season, he said, but it's not. He said, it's the pinnacle for when you lived at 42 Misty Brook. That was, it was there. He said, but in this season, I've moved you. He said, the house is the start of this season. And he said, and as you continue to obey, there's much more coming. Now you can take that because when he says it to me, he says it to you, right? And so I just love that. But all Craig and I do is get up and say, what did God say? What are we supposed to be doing? Okay, we're doing it. We're safe. We're good. Let's keep going until he adds more instruction. And he can tweak as much as he wants. We're good. And so God's giving us the opportunity to have faith and to change the way things are today. Yeah. To really change it. Because you don't want to be around preaching the bigness of God and stay small. Yes. You acknowledge the steps that there are steps to be taken, but you don't want to stay small because he doesn't think small and he hasn't made you small. He's made you big, but you got to have the word in you. Okay. Um, agreement. Unity is a spiritual thing. It's not just an agreement of the mind. I've said it before. 
There's a grace in a local church to be unified, to treat each other right, to love each other and to forgive each other when things go wrong. There's a grace there if we'll tap into it. You don't want to be trying to love people out of your own mind. It's not enough. It'll never be enough. You can't love your church that way either. You might love four or five people around you and that's it. But there's a spirit of unity. There's a grace and a revelation inside of you that if you'll tap into it, you'll feel it. You'll feel the bigness of that love for the people around you and the grace for it. And so that unity has to be tapped into by faith and agreement. And so when it's not there, things get aborted. You know, I was, I'm reminded of a story where there was a minister. He was acquiring land for a new building. It's many supernatural things had occurred to get them in. And he went in with an, his associate to sign the papers. I believe Pastor Nancy shared yeah. this. Yeah, and he went in. And when he did, he was about to sign the papers. And the associate leans over and says, are you sure? You want to do this? Are you sure you want to, you know, um, put the burden of this on your congregation? Yes. And the pastor mulled the words over and got up and didn't sign the papers and walked out. And that new building was aborted. And he had everything that he needed, but there was not unity in that meeting. Now, he could have still decided to do it, but you understand, because that other associate was not in agreement, he'll answer for that one day because... That pastor walked out, turned the church over to another couple, and try, everything he tried after that failed. Because that was his seat of authority that God called him to. You don't get to just change that. Yeah. You, there are people that move out of their place and nothing's working. But if, they got, if, they, if you have a chance, you can get back to that place, go back. But you don't always have that chance. And so his children all except one backslid and even his wife backslid. And so what a sad story because it was exciting what they were embarking on. And all it took was that one associate reminding them of finances for him not to go ahead. You know that God spoke to him. Financial, supernatural miracles have taken place to get that provision and the paperwork's drawn up. You're about to sign. So a lack of unity aborts things. It aborts things. It does. And so, you know, Pastor Nancy tells a story of when she was young in the ministry and she was starting to administrate, she was starting to teach. And in their offices, there was a, a man, they all liked him. And he, uh, she would walk into the, she loved the office. She said she loved the office. And so she walked in one day and then for a period of about three months, it seemed like just the atmosphere was not good. Something was wrong, but she didn't know why. It just felt different. And so one day the Lord said, this is spiritual, go home, I'll talk to you. And he said, he had her talk to her secretary. And notice he sent her home out of the atmosphere of the office so he could talk to her. And so she talked to the secretary who was new. And the secretary started to cry when she asked her how things were going. She said, well, this particular employee is, every day he comes in, he goes around to the different offices and he talks against you. And he says, you know, you're a novice, you shouldn't be promoted, you shouldn't be administrating, you shouldn't be teaching. But her and her husband were called to be the voices for that ministry, still are. And so um, she, she said to her staff, now why was this allowed to happen for three months? Where were you when all of this was being said? She said she wasn't upset with the secretary because she was new. But the rest of them knew better to let that continue. So that was a lesson for them. And I think sometimes our humanity gets in the way and we don't want to get someone in trouble. And, but anyway, it was wrong. And so she told doctor and he came home, called him in. The man admitted to it. 
And he, he repented. And he said he was sorry. And doctor said, I, I accept your apology. I totally forgive you. And you're fired. And he said, well, why? I, I repented. And he said, you're not safe. I totally forgive you, but you're not safe. And so I love this. I have to say this. You love people by faith. You trust people by works. You never trust people by faith. They're two different things. That's what I mean when I say you don't park your brain at the door. We're not gullible. Faith doesn't make us gullible or unintelligent. And our actions matter. It defines who we are and what our character is. Right? It says who we are and if we're reliable and if we can be trusted. Well, this man up to this point, he has a chance to change it, but not in that environment. Because that, that season is over for him. If you want to rebuild trust, you can do that in time, but it's rebuilt by works. For instance, if there's a situation in a family where one spouse cheats on the other, and I've seen this, where there's a, there's a repenting, and there's a coming back together, and there's a forgiveness. But then the spouse that cheated chafes every time there's insecurity on the part of the one that didn't cheat. And so what we've told, told spouses like that is, you have to rebuild that trust with them. You're on the hook because you broke something very precious. And it is now your job to make them secure. To go overboard in showing them through your works and your actions and transparency that they can trust you again. Because trust can be rebuilt. It can. A marriage doesn't have to be over because there's infidelity. It doesn't. Our pride says, your history. Right? It does. But if you both come back together and there's forgiveness, you can rebuild it. But you don't rebuild it just by faith. That person now has work to do because they tore something down with their hands. But they can rebuild. But they have to be transparent. They have to be willing. They have to be willing. To keep the momentum for this new season, ownership of the building, you can't be at home speaking against different details of what's coming. You can, but it won't, there'll be no benefit to you. You won't have the blessing that's supposed to be yours. Your pastor will get up and talk about things like costs, land, buildings. Remember, we're, we're taking up an offering in a little while for 200000 You know you're only supposed to do what the Holy Ghost impresses you to do, right? Right? Because he has a way of making it all more than enough. And do it with joy. Please, or don't do it at all. He'll figure it out. He'll get it to us. Do it with joy. Be a part of it. And because, thank God, there's no amount that everyone has to give, then you can just be led. And that's the way it should be. I never give when I feel forced. But I also run with people that never do that. That's such a foreign thing to the point where if someone gets up and they've got that spirit about them to push, oh, it's so repulsive. I don't mind being informed, but leave it with me and the Holy Ghost, and he will let us know what we're supposed to do, right? But there's lands, there's buildings, there's repairs, there's acquisitions of assets, and you can't choke. So you have to grow in this place right along with us. Let's grow together. Let's just decide we're not going to choke. We're just not. God tells us to buy something. We're going to put our faith 
behind it because it's not all on our shoulders. We just do our part. We do it together. Amen? Amen. The new day that's coming is bigger than what came before. There's going to be things some of us have not seen. Right? When you hitched your wagon <laughs> to POLC, you are partaking of all of its victories and all of its progress. That's how God sees it spiritually. Don't sin against the grace for it. Don't speak against the grace for it. If God says to do it, there is grace for it. That's what you have to speak and feed. That momentum of faith for that grace. Faith and grace, they meet and they produce. And don't be like the Israelites who practiced groaning inwardly and complaining outwardly. It won't benefit you. How easy it is just to say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to rejoice my way through this season. I'm just going to do my part. No more, no less. Amen? This is why unity is so important. And it places us in submission to the power of God. And it removes hindrances for us. Oh, my goodness. I'm ready for pastor when she opened her mouth and said, it's a time for miracles. See, that means something to me now. That's not just talk or minister talking, you know, or trying to hype us up. It's a time for miracles. The prophet doesn't say that if it's not a time for miracles. And so now we're in a position to acclimate into that. And what are we going to see? Because we've been, we've been pushing and treading for some time. And it's time for us to see miracles. I want to see miracles, don't you? When Pastor Nancy encountered that in her office, see, the words became felt in the atmosphere. The spiritual realm is so real. It is. God revealed the problem and cut off that atmosphere created by words. But let's look on the other side of that. Look at the power that we have through our praise and our worship, through calling those things, and just knowing that that angelic host is out there bringing things for us because God approves. He has a stamp of approval in this place. When God gives a plan, I love this. There is no risk tied to it whatsoever. There is risk and failure in stepping away from the plan. That's the only place where there's risk. As long as we're in the plan, there ain't no risk whatsoever. He'd just lead us step by step and we'll just get on the other side of things and increase. The plan will work, not just for the church, but in your life. The plan for your life will work every time. If faith is attached on your part, because he won't fail on his part. It's okay to assess where things are in your life. It's okay to say, you know what, I think I missed it there. It's okay to say, you know, my healing's not flowing. I think I made a mistake. I did this. I'm telling you, there's things. And it's not, you don't do that, you know, if something hasn't come in three months. No. That makes you insecure. I don't mean that. But if time is passing, the things of God are not hard. They're not, that's when we investigate. Because like I said, I've had the pleasure of seeing now through when he gives a word and we know and we cooperate with it how easy things are. So now my suspicion is aroused whenever things are not going right. Right away I begin to think, that doesn't fit the pattern. I'm not talking about persecution, that comes and goes. I don't mean that. I'm talking about the kind of power that the devil cannot interrupt. He can't interrupt. He can't, I'm a tither. He can't take my finances from me. You understand? He can't. I come at life through that perspective. I may feel some hindrances, but if I've gone after that for a little while, there's great 
and tremendous power in you. If you've gone after something and it's not moving, it's time to investigate. Maybe there's something he wanted you to do and you haven't done it yet. And that's okay to go back and investigate and make things right. Because if you do, you unclog those pipes because the enemy, the darkness of that realm, seeks to just clog us up. <laughs> so we got no flow whatsoever and so we doubt the word of God. And meanwhile, you know, it's because we didn't listen to the instruction. You know, I was, the, the, the Lord said to me a while ago, not that long ago, I wasn't judging someone, although I've done that in the past, but in this particular case, I was trying to see in my mind's eye where things could have gone wrong for a certain person. And the word of the Lord came to me and he said, be careful what you judge because in this, you may be chief of sinners. And I said, oh dear God. <laughs> he said, you look at people sometimes and things have not gone right and you begin to wonder and that's okay. You know, if, you're, if your heart's right. Because you care about people, not because you're trying to run them down. And you begin to wonder, he said, but I told you to do something four years ago. He said, you're still sitting on it. See, the thing is, we think obedience is when God says, give that $50 to so-and-so. And it is. But that's so small. But what if he told you to do something in your church? And you just, you wanted to, and the year passed. And then you got busy at work, and you still feel like he wanted you. And then he confirmed it again, and he told you to do something. And hey, you're not even saying no. You're just letting too much time pass before you put your hand to it. Do you know that turns into disobedience? That's what he was dealing with me about. So he said, you know, sometimes you think obedience is so clear, and it should be, but if we're not, once we know, if we're not quick to act. Now getting, getting into the know, God will let us take our time. Get it, until we know. That process of coming into the know, he's, he, he'll work with us. Because we're not moving because we don't know. But once you know, that's different. You've now shifted into something else. And if, God, if you know that God wants you to do something, do it. Because I got sick because I didn't do it. And I was not, I even told God, I said, but I didn't say no to you. He said, but you didn't say yes. Yes was your action. I was waiting for your action. And he gave me all that time. And then one day had to come on me by the Spirit and said, you preach, you tell people. When God says something, you be led by the Spirit, you do it. He said, you've sat on this for four years. And here's the kicker, I was totally oblivious. So it's not about being afraid, but it is about being willing to investigate because yes, some things take time, but we should always be seeing movement. Movement of the Spirit in our life, movement. Uh, glory to glory, another testimony, another victory. And even in a wilderness situation, a pruning situation, you can still feel the Spirit of God when He's pleased with you. That's not what I'm talking about. That, those seasons in life where there's a work being done in us, those are good things. But I'm talking about when we have covenant rights and they're not coming. Things are hard. Then we need to investigate. And I would dare to say there are causes, but most of the time it's disobedience. If you, I said to the Lord, I said, before he told me the answer as to why I was feeling these ailments. I said, 
I know I've got to grow until you come and get me. <laughs> I know that. But my faith has never been stronger than what it is now. There's, through revelation and being around the Holy Ghost, my life has never been cleaner. If I'm not getting it now and I got it in the past, what's the deal? And that's when he began to review. He didn't talk right away. But you, you have to ask him. He wants you to ask him. Because he doesn't want his promises taking forever to get here. Amen? Amen. Prosperity is going to be a part of that grace. Prosperity is more than a promise. Well, I'm almost done. It's a covenant. An agreement that has very clear terms. Deuteronomy 28. If thou will hearken diligently. This and this and this. You know, he took the time to lay it out. And not just in Deuteronomy. But, I mean, he is precise. He is letting you know. Isaiah 53, he is letting you know. Galatians 3.13, he is letting you know. 1 Peter 2.24, he's letting you know. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask, but our confidence gets shaken when we're asking and there's nothing. That's not God. That's not the flow. That is not the flow of heaven. There's a covenant. And a covenant is not like a promise because a covenant has terms. Some won't agree to the terms of the covenant, so they lose. Because prosperity is a covenant, that means that we have a part to fulfill. When you cut covenant, there's a part on the other party, there's a part on you. And if you break those terms, they're no longer bound to the terms of that covenant. God doesn't commit to the covenant until we do our part. Now, you know what I mean by that. He's very committed to his covenant. But... It only works when we know what we're supposed to do. When we do our part, and he'll work with us. He's so merciful, he will work with us. Our obedience is compliance to the terms, and that's why there's a lot of sickness that comes after us when we're not obedient, when we're not sober about the things that he's asked us to do. Listen, this is not about fear. The enemy is very real. And God is trying to show us how to walk through life without sickness, without, with, without poverty, to be prosperous in every area of our life, way more than money. Money's just one part of prosperity, right? So we've got to want it. Why do we have to want it? If he's already done it, because we have an enemy that seeks to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. So you've got to want God. That's why I thanked you this morning for wanting him, for loving him. He's awesome. <laughs> he is. He's awesome. Covenant does not get activated because you pray. It activates because you obey. Prayer will not take the place of obedience. That's why I was telling you the story about where I got sick. You can pray. Prayer life's never been better. But you have to do the word. You have to be a doer of the word. That's why you have people that can pray heaven and earth together that are poor, that are sick, and very immature in some areas. They are counting on their prayer life to meet their needs, and it's obedience to the covenant that meets your needs. That's what activates the covenant for you. Look at Abraham. He grew rich. He got a son by a miracle, by miracle power, and he went into the plan of God because he obeyed. The covenant of prosperity. If we, there's many things that tie into the covenant of prosperity. But specifically to activate this covenant, it's going to be through giving. 
God will increase new avenues. Do you believe that this morning? Yes. Things that you can't see that are coming, they're coming. Yes. Just a total change of status, a total change of life. They're coming yes. because he promises that they're coming. Yes. You can be led and you need to be led by peace. What I mean by that is God's never instructed me to give away everything I have. Never. If he does, I will. I will, because I don't have a life outside of him. I'm very aware that I have no life outside of him. He's my light. He's, my, he's in me and he's in front of me and I'm just following him. Because it's dark out there. It is. It is dark out there. We're not, not afraid because we're in the light. Right? I don't know how people do it. Want to live your life by stats and averages? Well, most people don't get that. Yeah, but a lot of people do. You know what I mean? Anyway, we're following after him. God will lead you what to give. Some people will hear a sermon and then they'll, you know, Dad Hagen talked about where, you know, someone I think gave, I can't remember the story now. Someone heard about someone giving away their car and they got a brand new car. So all the students gave away their cars and then they walked for the rest of the semester. <laughs> But we would have done that if we didn't hear the balanced teaching. Why you did that and you got that. I'm giving away my car. I got an old beater. Give it away. I want a new one. This is good. But they were led. See? And so God will lead you. Have you ever given and then you were grieved afterward? Because I have. Not one bit of grace to come up with it. I remember I was in a church years, years ago, probably 20 years ago, and they were raising money for a truck, and, and I got caught up in the moment, and I stood up and gave, and I volunteered for an amount that was way above me, and I was just under that teaching, well, you can't give God, and give, and it'll be given on to you. Man, oh, it took me forever to scrape that money together. <laughs> and it was so hard. <laughs> But now when I give, it's not hard, even if it's sacrificial, because I, I know he's bearing witness. Let's do it. Because I know on the other side of it, I'm waiting for the increase. So I'm sober about that too. And yet there's a joy in giving, but you don't hear, giving's not mechanical. And if God said it to that person, that doesn't mean he's saying it to you. But what he is saying to you is given, it shall be given. So be led. And sometimes he'll give you, he'll give you instructions to give away something that you would have never done on your own. You're like, what? This is the biggest I've ever given. But if he tells you to do that, you can have confidence. Because he never takes. He only gives. There was a lady that told us a story about how um, she was on her way to the church. And there was a service that night. And uh, God told her to stop off at the bank and get $150. Well, she didn't have it. She had it to pay a bill. She didn't have it for that, for the offering. And the Spirit of God kept wrestling with her and saying, stop and get the money and put it in the offering. Well, God, I need that for a payment that's coming out. And I don't have any other money other than that. Well, they get to the church and, I mean, he just wrestled with them. And they gave in. When they got here, someone gave them the same amount. They put it in the offering and someone gave them the same amount. And that is just another illustration of God didn't tell you to give to take from you. There's a flow. We don't, we hear this, but do we hear this? You're not responsible for, for increase other than to be obedient. You're not responsible for getting five degrees so that you can prosper. You're responsible for being obedient. If he tells you to get a degree in there, then go after it because you're being led and that's wisdom. But it's not based on your degrees. It's the blessing and being obedient, being obedient. I want you to give this. Okay. 
You know, and that will increase you as you go. It's so important to listen to the voice of the Spirit when He's talking to you. Whatever He impresses you to do. I think I have to come to a close. I need another sermon. Another time. <laughs> and the Word is good. It's safe. There's no risk involved. Just nothing but glory to glory to glory. I remember when we were, I'll, I'll end with this, when Craig and I got married, uh, we had one car, old furniture. This is before, this is prior to the house that I told you about with the mouse. <laughs> we got married, we had an apartment, and old furniture, and one little car, he had to ride me to work and then he'd go to work. And um, there was just no money. We'd work, you know, you work, 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 you pay your bills, there's not really anything left. Yeah. And I remember that year, I think we were making, I don't know what we were making, anyway, I think maybe 90000 between the both of us. I don't even think it was that. But that year, I clamped my gaze on, this year we're going to increase 10000 That was just big for me at that time. This year, I don't know how we're going to do it. You know, by the end of the year, we had an extra 10000 and to this day, I can't tell you where it came from, but I was so excited because I proved out his word, and it was not hard. I just decided that I was going to have it, and I spoke in line with it. And so, God spoke to me when we were in Miss Lorraine's house. And he said, this church, you, know, you understand there's none of this that I can see. He said, this church will be known as a church that is filled to overflowing with entrepreneurs and businesses, successful ones. I thought, oh, Lord, I like that. Yes, oh, yes. There is an anointing in this place for you to own, for you to prosper, for you to, if you were going to have one, now you've got three, four, five continued on. There is wisdom to do things you never thought you could do. There's wisdom in this place. And the foundation for the church is laid. The first 10 years were the foundation. God told us that by the Spirit. But now we're, it's a different day. It's a different deal. And he's inviting everybody here into it. Doesn't matter where you are today, there's more. There's more. Agree with the word. There's more for you. Amen? Agree. And I'll end with this story. Because nobody in here is in these shoes. Dad Hagen was holding a series of meetings. He was preaching on faith. Trying to get faith into the people. This was in the beginning. This was not after the word of faith had gone out from many different voices. And there was a little girl. Well, actually, she wasn't. She was 18 years old, a young woman who had the mind of a two-year-old. She was born that way. So she'd come out. You know how little two-year-olds, they'd pull their dresses over their head, and she'd do the same thing. Very undignified for an 18-year-old, but she wasn't in her mind. She was two. She's a little girl. So she'd crawl under the seats, and she'd, you know, she'd crawl down the aisle and just have fun like a two-year-old baby would. And her mom had her under the word. And one day, the presence of the Lord came into that place. And they looked, and she got out from under the seat, if I remember correctly. I don't know if she was under the seat or she was... But she sat up. She sat on the seat. And her mind was restored to her that night. And 30 years passed. And Dad Hagen went back, and he asked about her because it was such an incredible thing to see, such a miracle. See, it's a time for miracles. Yes. Right? We're going to see stuff like that, lots of stuff like that. And he asked about this young girl, 
and the lady said, you see those buildings up there? <laughs> you know, on, on the other side of town? Or you could see them anyway. And they said, yeah, she's a land developer. Her husband has passed away since she got married. And her husband's passed, but she owns most of the town. And so look what God did. So impossible, possible. But not only was she healed, she became someone of prominence. And God is speaking over you today that you're a person of prominence. The covenant's on you. The blessing's on you. So when he tells you to buy the higher brand when you go into uh, your grocery store, don't choke. I'm being dead serious because that's where he started with me and it felt horrible and I thought, what is wrong with me? This doesn't even matter. Don't choke. Just do it. Do it. Do it. When he tells you to take the tags off your clothes because you've bought them and now you're guilty and you can't enjoy things, take the tags off and enjoy them and speak to the resistance because he's got to grow you on the inside so that you can increase on the outside. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for bigness. Thank you for power. Thank you that it's a time of miracles. Thank you that the wisdom of God is on this people. Thank you that increase is their portion and that they're interested. They're here because they're interested, God. I thank you, Lord. You've made it so easy for us to increase. We tithe, we listen, and we obey. It's as simple as that. And so we praise you because you do all the heavy lifting, God. You've always done the heavy lifting. It's religion and confusion that has made it difficult, that has made it hard for us, that has caused us to fail when you want us to excel. So God, I thank you. I know the word went into them this morning. I could feel it, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you enlarge them inside so that they may increase outside for your glory and for your kingdom, for your provision, for your vision. Oh, we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for that anointing today for that anointing to cause the word to go into them and mark them. Lord, I thank you that if there's poverty that they deal with, Lord, I pray that they would shake that off. That's just a spirit that's a lie. It's not who they are. You've made them something. You made Abraham something. Long before he ever walked into it, Lord, you made him something. And he's our great father in the faith. You accounted it to him as righteousness and faith. And we have faith, I speak it over this congregation, we have faith to reach, to press into your spirit, into your leadings, and to know our part and to rejoice, Lord, as we watch what you're doing in our life. So I thank you and I give you the glory. We give you the glory this morning. We give you the glory. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord. We praise you for the assignments you have for us, for the special things and endowments that you have for us, Lord, as a people. We're called by your name. We act like you act, Lord. We talk like you talk. We see the things that your word causes us to see, and we're in agreement this morning. We're in agreement, and we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. As they go this week, they meditate day and night. 
They meditate while they're making supper. They meditate in their car. They meditate in the shower. They meditate on the way to work. They meditate on lunch because that word is so delicious and wonderful. And what it produces, Lord, we could never produce for ourselves. It keeps us. It incubates us. It makes us secure and strong. And we're so grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the vision that's being spoken of in this pulpit. We will agree with it. We will go with it. We will increase right along with it, Lord God. That wave that you showed me, Lord, it was not just for me. It was for this church because we're moving into more together. It's for your church. I thank you, Lord, that faith arises that they take that this morning. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen.